there was a change to the rotation um, mm-hmm. a few years back where I think it's because every, every standard set gets a two-year life cycle and they took that away. And then I think they realized that that was a mistake, so they put it back. They put it back in place, I think, 12 months after. So oh. I think... I can't remember exactly what sets got... got uh, got nutted by that, but there was a few. But I think it's just the way that it's always been for a while now. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that Eldraine is the the start of the season for that, so we've had to put up with it for the longest. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Crazy, yeah. We'll soon be over. Yeah, I mean, as a set itself, I thought it was super flavorful like I, I guess I care about those things but I, I found it to be super flavorful I know my own wife was like oh wow there's a set and it's like fairy tales and she got some stuff and we played a bit together like yeah I mean it wasn't a total failure as a set I'd prefer an Eldraine to something that was just a, like an Ixalan uh, or Return to Ixalan or whatever it was where it was just horrible yeah sure um, I enjoyed the limited side of it and I mean, I, I I was one of the. I, I quite enjoyed Oko. I, I actually enjoyed playing with that card. I enjoyed that format. But I mean, that format has been around for two years. You know, like well, sure, sure we got we got Once Upon a Time and Oko removed from Standard. Then we got Lucky Clover and Escape to the Wilds removed from. Was it Escape as well? Yeah, Escape to the Wilds removed from Standard. It's just like all these cards are in Eldraine. So it's just been such a wow. like, just like a bludgeon over the head for so long. Yeah, for real. But uh, anyway, enough about enough about standard. I believe that both of you competed on the weekend in a sealed tournament that we've spoken about for a few weeks now. I I didn't unfortunately. Though Ian did. Oh, you didn't That's battle? Right. No, I didn't. I, I just watched. Um, Ian did battle yeah. though. He was unfortunately not here today, as you probably have worked out. I mean, this is the thing. You got you, you got amateurs and people who come to kind of hang out, like Kyle, and, and then you got legends like me who had the chance to play the uh, the highly competitive, good games, uh, sealed qualifier final, whatever it was. An accurate description of the event. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it was something. So we did that this weekend. But the the pools are both. Oh, Papex pool is maybe um, slightly more interesting. And Anne's Anne's was interesting in that it was not a very good pull, um, and that like the two ways that you would typically expect to build a pull for this format is like the five color green deck or the red white aggro deck. And from memory, Anne had ten red cards total, so that scrubbed one of his options. Um, but from what I could count, Anne was of maybe like. One of two or three people in the room who didn't open a mythic. Um, so you know his five color green deck, that is fine. It was like an okay deck, but you know when your opponent's gonna be building the same deck and eventually draw their mythic, and you don't have one to compete with it, he unfortunately didn't have a great time with it. Um, but yeah, I, I could imagine. It's interesting that you that an interesting point that you bring up, Kyle, about you know, like you said, um, you know, Ian only had ten red cards in his pool. Usually, that is a, a sign of uh, an easier to build pool because it's already um, 
getting rid of like you know, arguably 20 percent or however many percent of your of the color pie so that you actually have more depth in your other other colors it's a little unfortunate in the setting of uh cal time because red is actually a pretty well it's a super deep color it's pretty good for seal and it plays both ways because um you touched on the the two ways that you want to build so it's like mono white mono red red white like super aggressive trying to get under your opponent's bombs or the five color four color soups and red you know with the demon bolts and the dwarven hammers and things like that so not having the access to the red cards actually hurts you on both ac both angles yeah um i think he did end up playing like his two good red cards in his like five color green deck but it still wasn't quite enough given that he didn't have a, a good enough top end to go over everyone else yeah, I don't believe I see Nian's deck, to be honest. No. Um, wasn't much to write home about. I'm trying to think of what his best card was, and there's none that are, like, spectacular. Uh, he got a, a borderless rare land. I think that was the card he was most excited for, because <laughs> it got him the most mm. of his entry fee back. Mm. Wow. Um, uh, as a... a quite the opposite when I opened my own pool. So yeah, Papex pool was much more interesting. <laughs> talk, talk more about that yeah. rather than Ian's unfortunate pool. The, the night before the the event, um, we, we were at Daylo's house and we did sealed pools and, you know, we were just doing a bit of practice, um, you know, the guys who had qualified for the event. And at it, I, in both of the, my opening two packs of my six on that night was that single, the, the blue drop, um, completely unplayable in any limited format. Ascendant Spirit. Yeah. That's the one. So my first two packs were that. And I said to Georgie before I left for this tournament, I was like, as long as my pool doesn't have that in it, I'll be sweet. Like, that's as long as it's not like last night. And then I opened up my first pack, Ascendant Spirit. I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> God damn. Um, and then continued opened my second and then my third had a coma in it and I was like haha this will be great and then my fourth had a coma in it as well and I was like this is just serendipitous because the event the qualifying sealed event which I didn't get thrown on what I thought was a fantastic deck uh was beaten just by a coma because I could not deal with it blood in the snow nothing else that I had could deal with it um so I was like sweet this is going to be insane how i have two of these and now basically i just need to try and build my deck around it and uh yeah pretty crushingly i attempted as best as i could to do so and couldn't get the three wins required for the top eight no but i think you you did build your deck quite well there's a couple of like individual card choices which sure weren't weren't perfect in everyone's eyes but the idea that yeah you were trying to just survive until you got to coma i think you did quite well um Every game where Coma resolved, like every single game where Coma resolved, I won that game. Yeah. And every single game where Coma didn't resolve, I didn't win. Yeah. I, I lost every game that it didn't resolve and won every single one that it did. It's such a warping card. But seven man is a lot. Like, it's easy to be dead by turn six if your draw doesn't go, you know, if you've got a Coma and three or four lands and you're thinking, I just need a little bit of interaction to come but I have enough land, you know, to make this a keepable seven, 
maybe just the interaction doesn't get there in time and you're dead on turn six is seemed to be kind of the theme of what was going on most of the time. Mm. So to fill in Trent, who won't have seen your pool, I don't think. Uh, he, I've shown him a pic, yeah. A pic? yeah so I had my yeah. phone I had my phone on me at the, the wedding ceremony that I was attending, just waiting for <laughs> a little bit of an update from anybody and yeah. only Papak was the Papak was the only one to send me a message. And I seen the two comas oh. at the top end. That's because I was, he showed me his deck list. <laughs> and then I skimmed through the rest and I'm like, don't play this, 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 this. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do this. Like, please don't do this. I'm like, send me your unplayer. Like, send me the cards that you're not playing. And he's just like, there's nothing to send. <laughs> I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> But I said no. But I said that like after I'd already played, I think two or three rounds is when I actually looked at my phone again and was like, "Oh, Trent's responded there." Like I had just sent it to you, being like, "It was actually a pretty early iteration of what I ended up building." But just because I was like, "This is hilarious," the two coma is just so funny. Um, and I know Runnershaw was a card that Trent was really high on, which initially I thought I just couldn't see how it could be good, and it ended up being amazing and usually the reason I was able to cast a coma on turn seven was to deal with something at the end on their end step on turn six and then I could untap and, and play coma. That was usually how I got there was run ashore. Yeah, I'm really, um, I'm really hoping you've kept the pool together so I can go over it and uh, yeah, see where I, I would have, have ended up and we can have a good discussion about it. Yeah, I'd love to do that. We actually did that. At, um, we went. We all went out for a drink and a, and a bite to eat afterwards. And I put the deck on the table, like uh, the pool on the table. Uh, Dogan, Shane, you know, they all kind of went through it and ended up trying to build a more red-based version of it. But then every time you kind of looked at the way the mana base worked, looked at the fact that you need double green, double blue when coma when you get like the most crushing thing would be to get to turn seven or you know six with a glittering frost and not be able to cast the coma would be just the worst so they kind of built up this like red area but then slowly started stripping back the red cards until there was maybe one or two and that was pretty much the you know all the changes because the rest of it just builds itself with the glittering frosts you know the cards that you need things like frostbite and stuff most of, for the most part, it just kind of built itself the pool, but there were definitely a few key cards I think where I missed uh, that could have been a bit better. No, m may or may not have helped in the end, but who knows? Yeah, yeah I think the most. So who? Go ahead. Go uh, ahead. I, was, I think the most contentious part was, um, yeah, just how heavy red you should go, uh, because like some of your interaction wasn't ideal for like turn two. Like you had a disdainful stroke, which obviously isn't going to do anything on turn two, but is fine later. Yes. Um, but Dogma especially was particularly high on the 2-1 that rummages. Oh, yeah. I think it rummages. <coughs> Either rummages or loots. Yeah. I like it rummages because it's a red card. Um, so, like, really wanted you to play those. Wanted you to play... There's a couple of people who wanted you to play the Dwarven The thing that makes... Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because um, yeah, they're just making dwarves. a couple of blockers. Um, but, yeah, like you said, at that point, you've added an extra three red cards on top of the three or four that you already had and then you're like solidly so, uh, three colors yeah exactly so i had three i had the, the frostbite uh crush the week and then the um the red red yeah, one the fumarole. um yeah the fumarole which uh was never able to like really play to its strengths or anything but you know it would get there against a few things every now and then yeah so i don't know i suppose i would yeah. probably have went towards what you had built 
probably playing, maybe playing the Dwarven Enforcements, probably not playing the, the two one rummage creatures. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But definitely putting in things like the Draugr Thought Thief for the Frostbeak Yeti and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where it's still a fine blocker, you know, but it actually does something. Getting rid of the Undersea Invader, probably for the Dwarven Reinforcements. Yeah, yeah like, there's still like a couple of individual card choices that probably could have been slightly better, but. I think, yeah. yeah, the interesting part for me was how heavy some people thought you should go into red. What are your thoughts on that, Trent? Uh, I didn't see the pool, so it's very okay. hard to me yeah. to have an opinion. I'll, um, we might be able to briefly touch it. I'm going to see Pat back in the next couple of days, so we might be able to um, have a quick aside at the start of next week's conversation and, and see where we would have ended up. Yeah, I think that's great. I'd be interested to see. I mean, regardless, I don't know how much different it would have played out. I played Gibbo in round one. Um, I won the first game of that. He won the second. Uh, and then I won the third game on three life. And that all came down to Coma's ability to tap his massive life-linking Vigilant Angel um, that was equipped with all kinds of things. And, you know, if that could ever get in, it completely would blank anything that Coma's doing. But luckily for that second ability, which I think is a big takeaway from Coma, it was consistently I was winning games by tapping their things, not necessarily by making Coma indestructible. It's funny that it reads like such a more powerful ability to make her indestructible, but it's actually just the simple way that she's ice manipulating them on every single turn and they just can't do anything to you. And then, you know, she's able to get in or he, whatever it is, underneath. Yeah, um, the three threes are symmetrical, right? Like it's every upkeep. It's not just my upkeep, it's your yeah, upkeep I know. as well. So you're getting ahead. So you say like, yeah, the tap ability is the most punishing, but is it's also, you know, you, you're getting to tap on their turn, make a three, three, untap, you have coma and a three, three without summoning sickness. And yeah. now it's your turn again. It's, yeah, um, it's so yeah. inevitable. And and that's how I like from that first at, at the sealed event that we did, um, on, in the lead up to this it was when they played a coma and I was like oh that's fine like my hand is stacked I'm doing awesome heaps of mana cast blood in the snow and they're like sack the servant to coma and I'm like cool it makes it oh it makes it sort of well. I'm like oh okay actually that sucks I'm gonna have to really quick, quickly kill that thing and then they're like my turn I'm like yeah go ahead and they're like make a servant I'm like oh this is how I die yeah you have <laughs> like, it's you just have exactly insane one untap step that you need yep. a window, and even then, it's close. It can close because they get a three-three. Yep, it is so bonkers. In as I say, every game that I say that I win is off the back of Kona, Coma, and every game that I don't is because I wasn't able to cast it. Um, so it was close. Like, but with, when I played Gibbo, like I only won game three on three life. Like he really, really got me down. Um, and it was just that inevitability, like, and, you know, so he's playing on and playing hard, but, and it took a lot of turns till it was like, okay, this is just not going to work. Like now you're getting up to three, four serpents. I just can't do this anymore. But he really, really, I mean, I was on three life. He easily just could have killed me with a, a burn spell or something and I was, would have been dead. How did you feel you played? Um... I really tried to pay attention. I played a bit slower than normal and I'd say to the opponents, you know, Gibbo in the first round, Pete in the second, forgive me, like I'm playing a little bit slower than I normally would, but 
pretty much with what I've considered to be with like the double glittering frost, the way that red was easily able to be in the mana base and the two comas at the top end. I was like, I built such a good deck here. It's all the pressure is on me now to fuck this up. Like I can, you know, I can't just be like, mm, my pool was shit and whatever. It was fun being there. Like you can't kind of escape that you've got two of the best mythic in the set, probably in your deck. So it's all for me to lose and not my opponent, I felt like. but So I played a bit slower, but I, I feel like for the most part, I paid pretty good attention. It wasn't until game... Uh, I don't know which game it would have been versus Gibo. It might have even been the third where I really realised the power of that second tap ability. I, I probably should have understood that better on the Coma Creature. But yeah, I felt like I played fine. You know, I really did pay attention. There was a few little triggers I miss, and usually I'd know instantly. I'm like, okay, I've missed that. And then after a game, someone would say, hey, you missed that. I'm like, yeah, I know I did. But, yeah, I felt I played fine. There was one particularly interesting turn against uh, Dalo that um, he thought you should have played differently. Do you remember it? I, the, what I would remember from the game with Dalo was just him, like I've got it written on my little Yeah, just losing so quickly and being like, wow, that was so quick, you know, and your threats, you were able to spread them so wide with things like Seeker's Chariot that I just couldn't deal with it and died in both games. Yeah. But what, what was the play? Do you, do you know uh, what the play the, is? the Frostbite on your turn. Um Oh, so the, sure. the basic gist of it is that Papak has the Pyroclasm land um, and Dalo has three two twos, a one one and the one four uh, shapeshifter that pumps. Um, yeah. And Papak is and, and one land away from activating the Pyroclasm. Um, so anyway, so, oh, I guess also, yeah, so to get to this point, Pavak has had to kill a Seeker's Chariot because two of the tutus are from that. And you, you do that yeah. using Raven Form, which is how the 1 1 came on the board as well. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, so he's about to take a bunch of damage and has to decide when he uses this Frostbite in his hand because one, the third tutu that Dalo has is the bear that untaps the Snowland. Mm -hmm. um, so in the scenario that happened Papak frostbites the 2-2 two -two that untaps land Dalo goes to his turn and Papak now being tapped out he can attack with his 2-2-2s two -two his 1-1 one -one, and his 1-4 that he pumps to a 3-2 putting Papak to 3 so now on Papak's and turn when he has to spend all of his mana to then activate the Pyroclasm the 1-4 is left over and Dalo can again pump it to a 3-2 to kill Papak but had I waited till he went pump it, pump it, then I frostbited it. Yeah. Then I can kill the rest of the board on the next so turn. So Dalo's incentivized to pump his uh, thing to a 3-2 because that'll threaten to kill Papak through the Pyroclasm again next turn. Um, and if he waits that long, maybe he does that. But maybe he also has like a 4-4 four, four or a 5-5 five, five he wants to cast. I feel like that would have been an insanely clutch play like, that would have been really good. I'm not sure that I'm <laughs> able to think out 
you know, a turn like that, that is really, really Yeah. The alternative good. being that and when you did cast it, you also played around, because Dela was tapped out at that point, you were also playing around, like, random snakeskin veils or whatever. But I think you're losing to, sure, losing yeah. to snakeskin veil regardless, because you can, he can just pump his 2-2 or something against your paraclasm, and you probably can't beat that. Yep, exactly. Um, so it would have been interesting if you had waited, maybe, and waited for Dela to pump his 1-4. Uh, yeah, possibly, but, you know, I mean, that just would get me then out of one particular situation I'm in there, and I'm still far away at that point from getting anything else that's yeah, good. Yeah, it's, it's not ideal. Know, he just rebuilds his board. It leaves you with Coma in hand, and your, your hope is that he has an empty board. Um, yes, but then exactly, you do need to draw, yeah. like, back-to-back lands, because you have to sack the Pyroclasm land to, to get your Coma yes, into play. Yes, Yep, exactly. So, it, it likely wouldn't have affected the overall result, but... It, it was at least an interesting spot. For sure, yeah. So that was game well, round three. Then round four, I played Braden, who, as we all famously know in the faction, I have never, ever beat, I don't think, ever in a game of even somewhat competitive magic. I think every single time, for whatever reason, he's become my nemesis. And I know that's horrible to think that way, but um, I just can't beat him. And I played against him. I thought, this is the time. You've done it. We're here. You know, in, in the moment that matters, we're going to beat Braden. This is you great. the comas and, in the barrel. <laughs> dude, and I, I slam a coma. It was like turn six or seven off a of glittering frost. Slam it on turn six or seven. Crush him in the first game. I'm like, I've got it. I have done it. This is great. And then he goes on to win game two. And then... In an extremely close match, wins game three. And, yeah, just can't get there. First Braden, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. He's got it over me. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'll think, I'll think about it. And come, no, I, I honestly don't know. This is what I would have used. Planeswalker points what about you? What about you, Trent? Do you have a... Is there someone that you just... When it matters, you just can't beat them? You know, I'm interested to know this off you, actually, Trent, because a lot of people would say to me that you're that guy to them. There'd be a lot of people, I think, like faction people, that would would see you as a real tough opponent. Is there someone that you view in that way? I always said that I never really had, like, jo- like jo- I don't really have a nemesis. If I was in a going to pick someone to be quote-unquote my nemesis it would be it'd be saha from the jerry's but not in the ways of like oh i really want to beat this guy or oh, man he's got it over me kind of thing i think when we looked at our stats before they all got gone to god or wherever they went yeah. um mm. we were dead on 50 50 across a lot of matches because we went to, you know we used to play at uh we used to do bloody modern, and then in the same week we'd do legacy, like either in, t- in the in Essendon or in the city, and then we'd do F and M at like Sunbury or somewhere else, and and it was always like very very close, and I always mm. considered Sahar to be an exceptional Magic player when he was thinking about the game, and when he was actually like grinding for the PT or grinding the PTQ system and not having to invest a lot of time into his business and therefore being able to invest time into magic. I think he was one of the, one of the, well, definitely, definitely one of the best minds in Australia for magic and, and one of the, uh, 
one of the best players that we had that we had access to. So I always, always, always like uh, when we played, we, we always had fantastic games. But I tend to not like glue people into uh, like nemesis thing. Although I do find it, I do find it humorous. I think uh, if I was to say, well, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say Nath's my my nemesis because I think he's uh, he's <laughs> sorry Nath, but you're a long way behind at the moment, so it's hard to say that. But from the faction, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to put a name to it. It's just that we yeah. I always get paired. I very often get paired against Nath. I mean, just by either sheer luck or. Um, as the Swiss rounds progress or whatever, Nathan and I have played an awful lot. Like we were literally two, uh, two weeks ago, round one at the Highlander tournament we played, I got paired against Nathan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, the fact that you beat him under those circumstances means that, you know, he's definitely not a nemesis. With Braden, I normally – see, I, I don't subscribe to that kind of thinking either typically. You know, I don't make enemies. I don't – Think of someone's in there, you know, is my nemesis. But I mean, to be quite frank, it just got ridiculous with Braden to where I've probably played him 20 times in a, you know, game that we both want to win. I just can't beat the guy. It's ridiculous. I feel like every time I sit down against Hoodie, he tries to lock me in a, ca- in a, in a cage with him. Oh, yeah. I think, I think he, he's uh, he pretty hungry. Yeah. Which I'll is great. I love that. I love it. Yeah. Mad props, by the way, to Pete. Uh, in game two, he Pete from the faction, he was so, like, <laughs> because the word got around really quick, right, the double coma pool, and he was like, I just, as long as I'm not playing, you know, payback, this is going to be great, I'm fine. And then, you know, when we get into that game two, I think he got paired up to play against me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, because he had the opposite day of me where he went 0-2 and yeah, then the, ended the, up qualifying. Yeah. <laughs> 0-2 to 3-2, that's good. It's incredible. So I played, and I think I played a, um, ah, boy, what was it? Some, cre- some I, I played something that required me naming, you know, one of three things. And I named the first one, and then I said, oh, actually, no, I'll name it. And then he was like, no, 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 you named it whatever the other thing is, like human or elf or whatever it was. If I'm going to win this game, I need to take every single, you know, honest angle I can like I'm not going to just win this game out of luck like I need yeah and I was like dude let's play like this is awesome I, I love that you know when someone's can be honest and straight up like that and he actually missed a treasure drop um he attacked me with the thing that makes treasures and then yeah he yeah with the pickaxe and he didn't um make the treasure on that turn and then I played my turn out and then it got back to his and he's like, oh, no, with the treasure, I could have cast this creature that I had to exile for something, um, the grave dude. And he's like, but I'm not going to take it back. Like, it is what it is. If I'm going to put that on you, then I'm going to put it on myself too. And it's yep. effect- the game state's been affected. Like, it was just really, it was like a, you know, gentleman's game. <laughs> Yeah, that's great, and it's great. Yeah, that, it's very good um, when you hear things like that of other people, the the people that are, uh, you know, in not so much enforcing the well, yes, enforcing the rule as saying no, you missed your trigger, you missed your, you missed your activated ability. We've passed that. We're, they were not yes. going back to it, the, and then they make the mistake. It's exceedingly important that they hold themselves 
to the same level that they hold their opponent. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, especially if it's if it's the first time that it would, would be advantageous is to your opponent. Yeah, it's very important to follow up with the same exact. I mean, it's it's a very etiquette. simple thing, and it applies to all aspects of, of life. It either be it like um, respect within your peers at work, or respect within your peers for your hobby, say like you play soccer or football or something. But it's it's the only fair thing you can do is hold your opponent or your or the people around you to the same regard as to which you hold yourself. Yeah, for sure. So then um, round five, I play, I think he's a, a good games local, a guy called Charlie. Um, he won first game. It was just, so I needed to win this one. You know, I unbelievably got my situation myself into a situation where I had won two and then had three rounds to just win one more. And then I'm on that round five where I need to win it. And um, game two, I kept a two-lander. Uh, on the draw, um, didn't draw land, uh, didn't draw land again, and then using the two that I had up, I played, um, what is it, strategic planning, um, I think I see a coma, something and something, you know, two four drops, and I'm like, what do I do, draw one more for my next turn, it's not a land either, and just scoop it up, which really, really was hard to take. You know, I, knowing that I had that strategic planning in hand, I was like, I've legit got like five or six draws to get my second land if it all goes badly. But it just went exceedingly badly. Uh, so he won that game, you know, on turn three or four or whatever. It was you know, n- not even, you know, I just, there was nothing I could do. Uh, then I won game two uh, in a super tight game with Coma. Um, I think at this point, maybe I was a bit tired, but another. Um, mistake that I instantly realized that I did um, was to cast my coma. Uh, not that it would have made a huge difference, but I casted it with a Boreal Outrider out and should have it should have had one or two counters put onto it. Uh, yes. um, but that, it didn't make a difference. Like, I think my thinking was so stuck in, and this is probably a weakness to have my thinking stuck in such a rut where it was like, if I just get coma, <laughs> but I guess it turned out to be true, but it's like, if I can just resolve a coma, I'm going to win. So I wouldn't care about putting counters on or anything because I'm like, well, now I've just got utter control of this game. Um, and that was awesome. And I was like, maybe I can get this back. But then he won game three, similarly to the way that Shane beat me with chariots. And I mean, just utterly absurd turns um, with Starnheim unleashed where he'd be able to make two angels and then copy the angel with the seeker's chariot you know immediately and so, it was just so he had the two the, the two cards in sealed that are better than coma in his deck yeah yeah it was <laughs> it was literally it was just bonkers oh and he had Cyril's pack mates and things like that as well so i mean he was really able to play out with such great card advantage all the time you know it was only in game two that i was able to you know resolve a coma early enough to just crush him. There's nothing you can do once yeah. that card comes down. No amount of angels is going to help you. Nothing's going to help you. The card would just win eventually. I uh, would but- say that that definitely Starnheim Unleashed is is uh, above Coma, and I would also say that Eskis Chariot has to be 
uh, it's got to be close. It's probably oh, yeah. a coin flip, but I, I would probably just want a Seeker's Chariot in my deck before I wanted Coma, just because of the ma the land constraint and the mana cost. Absolutely, yeah. Rares like a Seeker's, uh, especially better in multiples. Like it, it would be so much better to have two Seeker's Chariots than two Comas, because Coma it there's no nothing to be gained from having the second, other than the fact that it's more likely you're going to get it in your hand on turn seven. Yeah. Like, the card doesn't get better in multiples, whereas, like, you know, if you cast in a Seeker's Chariot, then they blow up the chariot without killing the cats, and then you can cast another chariot immediately and get... You, everything's just out of control. Get the cat army. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and eventually with Coma, sure, you'll get the, the Serpent army, but, yeah, I mean, you're casting a Seeker's Chariot in four, and there's such a huge difference between turn yeah, four sure. and turn seven. It's a very hard card to overcome. Yeah. Mm. So I guess that, that was the other thing is like another thing I learned is that really having an insane top end isn't always the answer in a format, you know, where there's really, really strong commons and uncommons and what people necessarily have as their rares isn't what's, you know, winning games, which makes it a pretty good format, I think. Yeah. Whilst the power, like you talked about, the power level of Sigurd Chariot, Starnheim Unleashed, Coma, obviously, um, insanely busted rare mythic rare cards Kaldime as a set is a very powerful set from the commons up and the commons mm -hmm. are just very very game defining if you get them in the in your like uh if you get them in a, a, a large enough number in your sealed deck they, they are the things that are going to carry the day not your obviously not your coma because you know if you have if you open a pool with coma and then got your Two Glittering Frost, two Sarulf Packmate, two Miss Walker, um, maybe a Frostbite, a Demon Bolt. You got you got to win the day, right? You, you, yeah. All these powerful commons are going to bridge that gap to get you to your coma. But yeah. without yeah. that, obviously, it doesn't matter. The coma can be could literally say seven mana. I win the game, and you, you <laughs> won't win the game because you won't. Yeah. Win the day. Well, effectively, that's exactly what... If it literally... If that is what the card said, that is exactly what happened to me on the day. Every single time... Now you that literally I was able said to that, right? Every it, time you played it, you win. I won the game. And every time I didn't, I lost. Yeah. To print, uh, poor performats like this uh, certainly play into the... Seal, well, even draft, but less to, like, to a lesser extent because... Um, there's obviously more selection in your in your like there's more card selection going into it, but mm. definitely within sealed the the common power cards are the ones that are gonna uh, get you to get you over the line at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. So in other um, limited we played this week, I guess we'll just briefly touch on uh, the uh, last Monday we were uh, weren't able to record the podcast, but instead Kyle and I jumped on Arena and we did a. Um, we did an arena cube draft, which was pretty fun. I've been playing a bit of the format myself and uh, I find it really enjoyable. And the deck that Carl and I were able to kind of play together on uh, Discord, we got the seven wins in a singleton, well, in a single game format. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you reckon, Carl? That was pretty sweet. We got an early uh, Teferi's thing, Tulage. Tutelage, yeah. And just locked it in because Teferi's tutelage is amazing. And the, the draft drafted itself was good. Yeah. Um, so, so the, some of the games are quite close, actually. And they were really interesting that it, like, for 
Tulage being absurd on turn three, you know, it would still come down to the last couple of cards and trying to sequence everything properly. I'm very sad that I miscounted one of our lands in one of our games because I didn't, didn't <laughs> see the midnight clock. And then... Oh, sure, yep. And then got us to... We were one card short or two cards short of milling them out. Yeah, it can be very sad to play. Um, I've, I've really, oh, I mean, I've since then drafted this uh, archetype a few times, and yeah, it can be so sad when you're just trying to mill someone out. And you can't even get there, and you know you're not doing anything other than just trying to mill them, mm-hmm. and they're doing all these interesting things, and yeah, you don't get there in the end, and it's just all a bit sad. Um, but we did get there this time. Every yeah, yeah, we got yeah, the seven. We eventually wins, got so there. Just not, yeah, not with the we, I mean, we had a few troubles. Yeah, there's things like mono red, which will just like crush you before you get a chance, and they don't even yeah. care what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but no one drafts mono red. Yeah, mono red's not fun, unless, unless yeah, you're exactly. Doing, but and yeah. you, you, so you claim that Miller's fun, mono red isn't. Oh, it's so okay. fun! It's yeah. so good uh, okay. because I mean, cards like patient rebuilding with. You know, on your upkeep, they mill three and oh, you draw a card yeah, for every I land. It's amazing. Don't repeat the text to me. It's just <laughs> I just love it. I'd never played with that card before. And oh, I was like, right. have my name written all over it. This is so evil. This is great. Yeah, I don't um, know if there's much difference between I mean, so what made it more fun? rebuilding and goblin guide. What made it more fun is that we had <laughs> three opponents who were pre-sideboarded for mill and had... <laughs> <laughs> like 60 cards or something. And the, the most it impressive was one was insane. a green-white Legends deck where every creature was legendary and they still made up 60 <laughs> cards in their deck somehow. <laughs> yeah, it right. was so bizarre. Like, we'd be starting a game, you know, and we'd be off to a great start and then, you know, Kyle would say, can you just check their, their graveyard? Did they have Yorian check- by any chance? Nope. <laughs> just, just, just wacky, like these... Massive they just days. knew. They knew that the faction were out. They did. That's right. They knew yeah. that they were in the queues. And they wanted to slay you. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly yeah, we right. get to like twenty something cards milled, and be like, "All right, time to start doing maths and working out how fast it's to kill them." We've got to know how many cards are still left in their library, and it's like thirty-four. It's like, mm, <laughs> where did we go wrong here? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, but it was so good. It was really, you know, it was. It, I just think it's a fun archetype because you're trying to beat them on a completely different axis that it, most other decks are running on or preparing for. And, you know, they'll often let you, they'll really, really try and try and try and try and try until the exact turn. And then even sometimes when they're left with a completely empty library, they stop on their upkeep and try every little thing they can do. <laughs> it's just kind of funny to yeah, watch. Yeah, nobody likes losing the mill, dude. Nobody. No, exactly. Yeah. You know, You're always kill. the bad guy. Yeah, they'll kill all the creatures and do everything. And but yeah, it's like, the dredge. Just... it's like the dredge player or the burn player. You're immediately like, unless you're all the boggles player, you know, like there's all <laughs> levels all the of Tron degeneracy, player. and it just depends on which which level you are. So, as Mil, Mill's probably Mill in limited's definitely one of the lower ones. <laughs> it's so good though. Uh, yeah, well, so yeah. You keep you keep drafting your, your mill decks, my man. You'll get them. When, yeah. uh, you'll get them when you sit next to me in the queues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was good fun. Um, I don't know, but um, Trent, you played a Highlander tournament. Yeah. So yes, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I don't know if it was last week's. 
So I am a little, I am a little flat today. I just uh, had to be in the car for seven hours after having a wedding this weekend. So uh, yeah, if I feel, if I do sound a little flat, that's probably why. Uh, nobody, nobody should be put through driving for seven hours, but <laughs> we managed to make it, which is good. And uh, yeah, we played Highlander. Shit, I think it was last weekend. Yeah, well, it, it was weekend last weekend. Before. Okay, so it was last weekend, and we there was yep. the two days. Uh, it was the Easter Eternal weekend at the maze um, at, at the Temple Garden yep. in the city. Yep. And uh, they had the Highlander, oh, sorry, the Legacy on the Saturday and then Highlander on the Sunday and Monday. So I played the Highlander on the Sunday and Monday. And uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a really, really good time. It was fantastic to play some, uh, I mean, it was, I don't believe it was competitive REL, but obviously it was um, close enough to it. And uh, yeah, I took the... Bloody, it's nearly the similar deck to what we or what I piloted at the faction champs, and at day one I actually went through the Swiss undefeated, got to got to top seed into the finals, and got a couple of um, couple of feature matches which were which were quite humorous. I played against Mono Red a hell of a lot over the weekend, and yeah, just had a really really good time. Just uh, just seeing the like the old mainstays of the Melbourne community, catching up with a lot of uh, a lot of people that have made like friendships and connections with through magic over the years and it was just uh yeah it's just a super great breath of fresh air to just get out into the competitive magic scene um just be amongst good people and and just play such a great game it was it was really really good do you feel like the people that are sleeving up and going to a highlander event on easter weekend i mean when you walk into the room does it feel like you know people do or don't know what they're doing with their Highlander decks? Uh, it felt like an RPTQ. That's what it felt like. It, uh, you walked in and you... If you if, if you're in the competitive magic scene or around the competitive magic scene from anywhere between, you know, 18 months and four years ago, you, you and, you know, obviously played enough, you would know every, almost every person there. Um, and, yeah, like I said, there, there's... <laughs> There was a fair bit of uh, prestige for the Australian community in that room, so uh, yeah. yeah, all the matches, you know, like I said, it's very. I actually said, I think I said it's like a it's a swimming with sharks kind of thing in the Highlander community, but uh, it was it was great. Like I said, it was great to see everybody, um, all competitiveness aside. Um, yeah, yeah, I think Mon- Mono Red took it down both days. Uh, the per- uh, Ethan Bird uh, one day. Saturday, I played against Ethan in the Swiss and beat him in three, and then uh, he defeated me in the top eight in three, and then I believe Riley Jones, who is uh, a listening member of this cast of this uh, podcast, he defeated me for the winning in on the on the Monday, and then went on to win uh, the final on the Monday to get himself a Volk as well. So yeah, Mono Red really. Uh, punished the field i guess it was uh people were not prepared for it and yeah had a really really good weekend yeah awesome shout out to riley that guy is awesome yeah we had a and congrats wow yeah we, we had, it was an absolute pleasure to, to catch up with he's always been a, a, a bubbly polite kind of guy and i actually uh <laughs> i punted off my last game against him very badly uh i had a hand and i and i tanked on it for quite some time and i said uh this is either the nuts or rubbish, and uh, I proceeded to just not do exactly what my hand did and, and played very badly. It was, it was actually <laughs> great because um, I'm not sure if I would have got there one way or another, but I was able to 
learn from the learn that I wasn't or not not learn, but uh, reevaluate at the end of of the match and sit down and and go over the heuristics of of magic and of Highlander and, and of how I mm. on the axis of what I tried to keep with the hand and what I meant to do. Um, I'd done the polar opposite, so it was yeah, it was really good to sit down and reevaluate, and and that was the whole weekend for me as well. I, I made a, a a slew of mistakes just across um, the unfamiliarity with the, the Highlander taunt, like the Highlander as a format, yeah. and um, and it was just it was just great to to learn and 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 listen and and watch just uh you know some, some pretty high level magic being played at some stages. So the coolest interaction that I saw watching the Twitch stream uh, was a player have a Dak Faden in play, flash in a hole breacher, tick up Dak Faden and target their opponent to yes. draw the cards, yeah, nice. which effectively hints to Turax your opponent on every single turn. I'd not seen anyone do that and didn't realise that even, hadn't even considered that Dak's tick up uh, says that you get to choose the target opponent who draws and discards. Uh, was there anything you saw that you thought was like that level of holy, gee, that whole reacher is there was, off the There charts. was quite a few interesting players, and a lot of them evolve revolved around uh, hole breacher. Uh, I think that card is just fundamentally egregious for the Highlander format. Yep, it's just <laughs> just for the game of Magic. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I watched. Uh, I watched Isaac Egan. Part, oh, sorry, I didn't watch, but I I heard that. Uh, he passed the turn on his turn one. He played a mana dork. His opponent played a land. On the turn two, Isaac plays his second land, so he has three mana sources in play and passes the turn, and his opponent puts Brainstorm on the stack. And obviously, Isaac <laughs> flushes in Hole Breacher, and the game ends as four pieces of card, five pieces of cardboard have been played, and, and the game ends there. And there was a few on cameras where there was, uh, I think there was a turn where it was a, a Lotus into. Uh, no, it was on camera. It was a six-mana start where the the, the player played uh, Narset into Wheel <laughs> on the, on turn one. So that was oh that was pretty God. egregious. Wait, they got a Narset and and a Wheel out on turn one. Yeah, pretty How sure that they... was on camera. It might have been turn two, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they were on the play and wheeled into that Narset. Bonkers! I got. Oh my uh, God. I got pri- uh, I got price of progress with a uh, and then a Lutri on the stack to dome me for like eighteen or whatever <laughs> obscene sixteen or whatever obscene amount of damage it was. That's awesome. Um, it was great. It was really yeah. really great. Um, I really encourage um, everybody to support the Highlander community. Think more about the format and just get out and and, and even if it's just casual, I think it's uh, I think it's a wonderful format. Especially since, obviously, at the start of this this um, this podcast, we shit canning standard. Um, you know, the the cal times rotating out, so we've got a new limited format coming in, which is great. But there are a few actual Highlander tournaments coming up, I believe, online on Modo through Rob's MTG auctions, and I believe that there are some paper tournaments coming up as well in the works. So yeah, I really. Push people to to try and get some Highlander decks together. If not, borrow the bloody jewels from people in the Highlander community. They're all fantastic people. They're more than happy to get people at the store. Um, all you need to do is ask. So yeah, I, again, just get out, play Paper Magic, play Highlander. It's great. 
For real, yeah. yeah and that's so true that it, it's kind of like a commander community. There, there will be no end to people that will want to let you use their deck or, you know, even if the deck's got, you know, some proxies and they just want to practice with you or whatever. Like, they they just want you to play, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I borrowed... I was I was super lucky because obviously like I've mentioned a couple of times I got a shitload of cards bunched up and I moved a bunch of jewels a while ago so obviously I didn't have um, the jewels accessible to me and and Mulch just says what do you need and Isaac says just what do you need Dom's like what do you need you know people are just wow. scrambling left right and center just to get people to people to these tournaments just so that they can play these tournaments and support them and keep them going so people take advantage of it but just rock up and and play. Yeah, for real. That's awesome. Nice one, man. Yeah, and if you're interested in all that, um, as was alluded to, it was all streamed on Twitch. Uh, I'm not certain if the VODs are up still, but if not, um, they have been posted, or videos of the uh, matches have been posted with commentary uh, on YouTube. And I'm going to hope that a link is able to be put in the description of the podcast. Yeah, it was done by... Um, Jimbo Jim, by yep. Jim Dowling at uh, I think it's Epic Epic or Epic Eki on Twitch. Um, yeah, I think yeah. he did a great job. I believe that's his oh, so YouTube good. channel too. I have it open, so I'll check. Uh, yes, yeah. it's also Epic Eki on YouTube. So you can it, you can uh, watch my opponent fire blast. <laughs> so not fire blast, char whole priority char and take us to a draw. You can. I, I was going to mention <laughs> that as well. That's fantastic. <laughs> I actually sent, so Trent is, not me Trent, the other Trent uh, was my opponent in, I, I want to say round four, but it may have been round three and we were the feature match. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, Trent uh, made a series of plays that eventuated in a in a draw and going to a game three after I'd won the first round. And uh, it was it was just, it was hilarious. Like we, we both... He shook it off pretty well, and, and like we, we had a good joke about it after everybody was pretty lighthearted about it. And I just sent him a message the day after, or it might have been on the Monday. Yeah, it was the working day. It was about uh, 1 p.m. on the Monday. I think I was having a sandwich. I thought, I'll send him a message. I shot him a message. I said, I hope you're having a wonderful day, Trent. <laughs> he just uh, thanks for the reminder, you asshole. Yeah. <laughs> um, you were right about being it being around four, by the way. Um, ah, there you go. And also, a highlight of this uh, coverage was that the faction zone Nathan Whalen was doing commentary that round. Oh, oh yeah, I did know that actually. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So I hope he didn't say too many bad things about me. I don't know. You'll just have to watch it and find out. Yeah, I guess I have to go back and find out. Yeah, nice. Actually, going back uh, to our last podcast, I asked Papak if he had. Uh, any clue as to the oh, cards no. that I'm shuffling? I have these cards in my hand again. So Stop! You're driving me mad. Papak ah. gets another. Papak gets another. Another go. But before that, I want to ask you, Kyle. What do you think it is? Um, a long time ago, you were shuffling conflagrates, but given that I use those, I don't know if that's likely to be, be the case anymore. It can't be conflagrate. Or whatever the conflagrator. Yeah, but, I mean, I, you, I could tell that that card had been shuffled a lot. So. Did you? I was gonna say, did you appreciate how absolutely fucking scuffed these cards were? I did. 
but yeah. I, they copped, so I, they copped eight months of COVID work those ones. Yes, they did. I remember you were shuffling at one Straight. point. Um, but right now, I don't know. You, you got to give you got to give Kyle a hand and let Kyle know. You know what's known up to this point about what the cards are. Uh, what do we know? It's it's uh, it's converted mana cost is three. If I think that's all that's that's known. You didn't also say it's it's not necessarily white. I don't I think I alluded to the colour. I alluded that it wasn't in my modern deck and it wasn't in my Highlander deck. So, so would you say that it is or isn't white? Is it deputy of detention? Did that get cut from your Highlander deck? <laughs> it's not de- it is not deputy of detention. Yeah. Containment priest. Containment, containment, containment priest. Containment priest also two. costs two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you both had a shot, so it goes to next week. Oh, get... Gotta think of what else. Give me the shot. Oh, maybe it's Soul Herder. This maybe that great. finally got cut from no, the list. No, 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 it's not. It's because not I've Soul tried Herder. Soul Herder okay. and how it wasn't Flicker Wisp blew my mind because I really thought I had him on Flicker Wisp. I don't think Flicker Wisp was in the deck, was it? In no, no, no. Uh, it wasn't in this iteration of deck, no. No. Although, I mean, that's the point. Was it in it before? Uh, maybe it wasn't. Well, I've forgotten. Flick, Flicker Wisp itself? No. Yeah. That, that's what I'm trying okay. to work out. But maybe I'm just going completely off on a tangent that I shouldn't be. Yeah, and I I tried Soul Herder, but I don't know. Like, he's basically like... Wait, wait so what deck was it in? Not in wait, not in just saying it was in a deck or no? So that's why I felt like it was a card that, that he cut from it. But maybe he's just confusing me. I mean, it could... Oh, the other... It's, so. He's like anything from 8th Ed on... <laughs> It could be any it's three It's really drop. not that Go. hard. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. Like, anybody who doesn't know me won't obviously have a clue. But people that aren't, people that do know me. <laughs> oh, the other, the other, the other, the other clue was that Jerry's referred to me by this name as well. <sighs> but, that, I mean, Tyler's Tracker. <laughs> what was that? Tyler's Tracker. Ah, there we go. He got it. Are you serious? Yeah. Of course, mate. Oh, that's good. That's insane. I just I guess like a random magic card yeah. from anything from 8th Ed onwards. That's great. Well, there you go. That is, that is in so fact, they four call, of the six cards that I'm shuffling. Did they call you the Tyler's Tracker? They call me Tracker. Tracker? Why is that? Because I always played Tyler's Tracker. Man, they're all the whole standard is and I, yeah, it's played tracker. That's crazy! Wow. All right, huh? So there's two more cards. Let me just magically guess them too. <laughs> uh, these <laughs> ones are like a little four hundred thousand to these one. These ones you won't get. Were they? What, what I mean, format? I, I could, mo- you, you could. You could. You could get them if I if I went out of my way to describe. What format are they most played in? Uh... They're both in standard play. One's still standard legal, one's not. Hmm. One's seen... They've both seen Pioneer and Historic play from sideboards. One was main deck. What's One was released in... uh, Ooh, he's sus. Get this right. Huh. Khans of Tarkir, and the other okay. one was that, hmm, So I'm guessing the 
Cards of Tarkir one isn't still legal in standard. No. <laughs> this one's still, this one's in Theros. Okay. I played this in my sideboard of faction champs. Kunaros? <laughs> what? Who? Is it I don't a, know, that original cards or not original cards? Yeah, cards uh, attacking. Original, oh. original Theros, sorry, I meant. Uh, no, 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 this is. No, no, Beyond it's not Death. a reprint. It's not a reprint. But is it Theros Beyond Death? Yeah, Theros Beyond okay. Death. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I was guessing that Kunro's Hound of whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. What, Lurus? <laughs> is that, that said? Uh, Lurus is a, a Coria, right? Ooh. Hard to forget about companions. Especially, uh, I never played. Oh, them is it a paper, is it a so companion? It's definitely not a. I don't. I no, don't no, think. No, no. I actually okay. don't all, think all the companions are a courier. Yeah. Maybe outside of like promo packs or like a a, a a random card that I picked up somewhere, I don't actually own an Aquaria card. I don't believe. Okay. Surely, not in paper anyway. Surely you have a triome. Uh, I have one triome, which actually. Ooh. No, I don't. I don't have a triumph. I had to borrow that on the weekend. Oh, never mind then. Oh. And it wasn't good. No. And I didn't take it out, but it wasn't good. No, it's not good, but it fixes your four-color mana base. I feel like they're really good in my reanimated deck, which is well, very... It's actually the... So, it's interesting. It's And it's, it's, like, it's kind of like a point... It's like a flex point of contention, because obviously... Um, so... I, to touch back on it lightly, I'm playing four colors, be it Bant Red. But the Triome that I use is the the Saltai one. Because I was mm. a little... Af- well, not afraid, but I wanted a little bit of tech for similar um, Ephemerate Mirrors. Or like the Ephemerate deck. And just being able to counter Regrowth and Jace, like Time Walk in the bin kind of thing. By using the Black off Deathrite Shaman. And then similarly, mm. being able to fetch the Black side off Marsh Flats as well to get your Triome on turn one. Yeah. Which comes up in a bunch of spots and is actually really nice when it comes up. Yeah. But I don't yeah. actually think you're supposed to play Triomes in the Highlander land base currently. But yeah. I could be wrong. I think it's fine if your turn one is often nothing. Because it's the best time to get a Triome. Yeah, I mean, no, mine's, but, but mine's You've got not. the choice, though. You, it's, it's all about what you're fetching, right? It's not about playing it out of your hand. It's about no. when you can end turn fetch for, you know... A Zagoth Triome or something. It's just so much better, even though it comes in untapped, sure. Uh, it, it's better and worse because, uh, to get into it a little bit more, um, with these mana bases, they started started to get into the point where they're running shocks over the additional basics. And so, and then the Triome comes in that, that similar vein of the extra shock, uh, like the extra Hello Fountain Temple Garden, whatever you're running. Um, as the 22nd, 23rd land over the over like the 5th, 6th basic. So you actually start really punishing yourself against specific decks uh, like uh, Blood Moon, Back to Basics, Price Progress, those kind of um, decks or cards mm. that prey on the multicolor mana bases heavily. I actually played against a deck that had Ruination in the sideboard. Do you know what Ruination does, Papak? I feel... Uh, does it? It's not destroy lions. That's like choke or whatever. Um, or <laughs> God, I don't know. What does ruination do? You do you know what it does, Carl? I do not. Ruination is uh, two red, two colorless sorcery. Destroy all non-basic lands. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Oh, God, I should know that. I have eaten Ruination. I used to play it in Highland. I eaten what is it from? <laughs> that is a good question. I don't know is the it? answer to that. <laughs> Time to find out. Yeah, uh, right. I've Googled it before. <laughs> I'm not Googled it. Scryfold it, so... But yes, that was against a Blood Moon opponent, so he had everything. And he was the guy that yeah. priced progress with the Lurus with the loot tree. <laughs> Damn. Um, well, there you go. It's originally printed in Stronghold. There you go. Man, that artwork is amazing. <laughs> but cool yeah, card. so it's, it's interesting going into it a little bit more about how to... I mean, Highlander, Highlander is just super interesting. Um, it's just an interesting format to think about. Um, there's a swath of different decks. Obviously, Mono Red had its day in the sun, as we briefly touched on before, and, and that means that you know, ne come next tournament, people are going to be kitted up for versing against Red. I know that I made a, mm. a few concessions in my main deck to not have cards that would be a lot better against Red and, and then have them in the sideboard, and I was lucky enough to draw them in pretty clinch spots across the weekend um, to get there most of the time against Red. But, yeah. Neat. Cool guys. Uh, anything else anyone wanted to go over? Um, do you know? Did you shout out to the people that actually did well at the Cold Time Championship that you covered? Um, sure. I mean, Shane. Shane like took it down. I think. Are we all talking about the same thing? Yeah. No. Wait. I'm talking about the sealed Cold Time. Okay. Yeah, the sealed event. The sealed yeah. One. yeah. 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 Shane. Shane took that down. Yeah. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Chain was first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe Dogen, uh, Jeff, and did Bassa get there in the end? Bassa did not. There was someone else on ten okay. points, and I feel bad. Well, that I don't Charlie, remember. the Charlie guy would have. Pete did. Yep. Pete came eight. Charlie, Pete, um, Braden. Maybe Braden was the other ten pointer. He should have been. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yep, exactly. Um, so, was, yep. did you need to top eight to make it? Is that what yes. it's doing? Yeah, just, top, like, top all you need to do is top eight. Out oh, of like, right. I thought you had to bloody win the whole thing. No, okay. no, that's at the end Dude, of the year. No, not at all. A lot longer before that happens. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I came ninth. Like, it Love was ninth. there. Yeah. Oh, Love yeah. It. Good time. It's unfortunate. Um, all you needed, the pri it was the same, like, eight through one was just that you qualified for the next one. Yeah. yeah. So, for those unfamiliar. Oh, okay. For those unfamiliar, there's been six events uh, for each season. The first four of this season, for instance, were limited. Uh, then there was one standard and one modern event. The top four from each of those events qualified to play in the season championship, uh, which in this case was Caltime Sealed. And the top eight of that qualifies for the store yearly championship, which will be at the end of the year. And there's obviously two more seasons for this year. Yeah, we've got to get on it. We've got to do it again. Do, specifically the three yeah. of us. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, awesome. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Yeah, I don't know. Something that Ian would have done had he been here would be remember to have the intro at some point before, five minutes before the podcast was going to finish. But... <laughs> Yeah. Right. So this is the Faction Podcast, guys. It is. Uh, hopefully you've been in it for however long we've been talking for and is still here. And I, yeah. 
rolling your eyes at the fact that for the what fourth or fifth week or time in a row that we've forgotten to say who we are and what we do but yeah here we are <laughs> yeah and uh oh, interestingly yes. enough we may have some interesting things coming up in the pipeline to do with uh, maybe some faction podcast members proving that they are the best podcast even though we're up and coming we might be uh butting heads with some more well-known uh melbourne or australian magic community podcasters and some maybe some upcoming little friendly tournaments I, I just I just don't think they, they they would dare to be honest. I mean, coming against the likes of you know, you two, myself, Mr. Ian, Double Coma himself. That's right. It's never going to happen. That's right. It's limited. I'll just get super lucky, and if it's constructed, I don't know. My mates will just carry me. It's great. Well, it's better lucky than good. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ooh, I'm down for it though. What are we going to do with them? Do you know? Ah, uh, so I haven't finalized anything just yet haven't finalized any details but as soon as i know uh everyone else will know awesome you just yeah just let them know um i'm coming for Outback's coming for them that's right yeah um thank you very much everyone yeah the shout outs to the the faction website i suppose and twitter and I don't remember what Ian does. That's why I need him. Yeah, well, we're on Twitter at the Faction MTG Podcast, and we do have our own website. It's thefaction.gg. I think we are pretty lazy when it comes to uploading stuff that goes on there, but it is a fantastic-looking website. And uh, like I've just said, uh, hopefully we'll be able to get a bit of information in regards to the friendly tournaments that we have coming up, and they'll be posted on Twitter, on our own personal uh, Twitter accounts, and on the Faction uh, website where can we find you if you ever decide to start playing magic again kyle you're on twitter somewhere i'm on twitter at kyle gibson but gibson without the vowels so k-y-l-e-g-b-s-n on twitter and i was going to play magic and then force a negotiation went up to 100 tickets so then i did not play magic can't, can't. Just play remand instead dude uh it doesn't quite work when you got <laughs> Some cascade cards in your deck. I'm glad you. I'm glad you finally worked that out. It's all right. Half of my statement was correct. It was good in the previous iterations of Blue Living End. It was just not good in the the current ones. Uh, see, everybody got their little bit of Living End content. Daniel, where can we find you? Um, at my house. At I don't your know. House? <laughs> I don't really do Twitter and stuff. Um, oh, I think no. I've got a Twitter. I don't know. It's probably like at Daniel Papak or something. You can find. find you, you can find. Yeah. You can find Papak at the uh, the Faction MTG podcast. I like. I won't even be able to do this. But if you, yeah, is it like at D A N I E L P A P A K? Is that my Twitter? Yeah, I don't know. We'll find out. Or you can just go to my Twitter and give me some more views to then find Papak's Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's your what's your um, Hold on. What's your Discord oh. name? Isn't it like Papa K? Papa I don't think it's that. Hold on. Uh, so I'm on the Twitter app. How do I find out my own name? Uh, uh, you just click on your profile Oh, picture. at Daniel Papak. Yeah, there yeah, I am. Yeah. All right. yeah. <clears throat> yep, at Daniel Papak. That's me. Or if you play against a mill player with the name Ulamog, and you know who it is. Oh, yeah. Or someone like doing, yeah, like discarding your hand or doing something insanely hateful. Yeah. You're a lovely, Just, wonderful person. What about you, Tran? Yeah. Where are we going to see your retweets? Uh, no idea. I generally upload them to Facebook, so if you follow me on Facebook, you get a friendly reminder every week of whatever the whatever the garbage we've uh, spewed out. <laughs> so that comes up on the Facebook. <laughs> I think I'm... I actually don't even know what my Twitter uh, handle is. I think it's Dark Horse. Yeah, X Dark Horse. Yeah. 
And Twitter, who unfortunately isn't here today, was Alabaster Wolfie, and he does know all of our Twitters and will tag everyone when he posts things. So Thanks, you'll get the notification and then you'll know. Yeah. Appreciate you doing something, mate. Yep. Nice one. But yeah, I think that's it for this week, guys. Uh, I hope you've yeah stayed stayed in for the whole the whole draw, and uh, yeah, we'll be back next week to hopefully uh, keep people entertained. Really hope. See you then.